Hey there friends, it's Nick. So yesterday we were talking about the Agile worldview and in particular the framework Scrum that kind of lets companies go from sort of zero to, to 100% in Agile thinking sort of very quickly. And that's a good thing of course, because Scrum has been an incredibly uh, powerful way of, of working. But it can also be a problem because one of the things we find when changes are extreme, especially in business, well, there's a couple of things, I guess. One is that our productivity generally goes down, right? Even if the changes are for the better, new things tend to knock us out of our stride. They, they knock the productivity on the head. But the other thing that happens, of course, is that when change is extreme, we tend to see resistance. We tend to see human resistance because as a group, we <laughs> we'd really prefer not to change. So I want to talk about Kanban today, which is another framework for Lean and perhaps is a little bit softer. And Kanban will lead us actually nicely into the last thing I'm going to talk about in this little two-part series, which is sort of the Lean worldview, the Lean kind of manufacturing principles, which are similar to Agile in many ways, but different. All right, so Kanban. We can go back to uh, Toyota, to I think the guy's name was Ochi... No, do you know what? I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not going to say it. But Takiono, Takiono could be um, the guy that's sort of the father of the lean revolution um, in the sort of the 19, in the 20th century, but even before that to some of the stuff that, that Ford was doing and this kind of thing. Um, essentially, Kanban, well, okay, so when Toyota was, was struggling, one of the problems was they had loads of this stuff lying around the factory. They had loads of parts that weren't being used. And what Takiono did was created this system called Kanban, which effectively, I think it means sort of like order card or something in Japanese, but essentially he made it so that the, the, pro the products, the parts on the, the factory floor were being pulled in as a result of what Toyota were actually selling. So rather than us saying, well, we're, we think we might sell a hundred cars, you know, this week as a basic example. So we're going to order in the parts for that and perhaps a bit more just in case. And we'll have to store them somewhere and make sure we look after them and all that kind of thing. He effectively said, well, when someone buys a car, we want to signal the factory to make a car. And that means that the factory needs to signal all the suppliers to send in the parts to build that car. Now, I'm not saying that they were building cars for, you know, literally for the person who ordered it, but but they were trying to take out as much of the kind of the the waste as possible. So what, what you ended up with is that when a, I don't know, a, a, a crate of motorcycle wheels was used up on the factory floor, that would trigger a Kanban card that went to the supplier who effectively then provided another crate. And obviously they had enough um, they had enough wheels in stock to keep them going in the meantime, but they were really looking to minimise the amount of things um, between them and the customer in terms of you know what they were paying for, what they were storing, what they were moving around and all that kind of thing. And Kanban, as a productivity kind of method, as a worldview, as I say, it shares a lot with Agile. And one of the things it shares most is this focus on 
we're going to do the work that the customer values, that the customer actually is willing to pay for and try and get rid of as much of the rest of it as possible. So, you know, I said yesterday, one of the one of the things about the agile worldview was that they measure their success. We measure our success by the amount of working software, as it was when the, the methodology first came out, that is in the world. We're not measuring it by where we are on a project plan. We're not measuring it by the amount of documentation we've got. We are measuring it by the amount of usable software that's out in the world, because that's the thing that the client is willing to pay for. Um, and likewise, with Kanban, we are looking to minimize all the, the extra stuff and maximize the stuff that, that, that we are doing that actually is going to go out into the world and be useful and valuable to the clients. Now, the main difference between Kanban and Scrum, I would say, is that with Scrum, we talked about doing these sprints. Maybe they're a week, maybe they're two weeks. But, and at the start of each sprint, we say, this is what we're going to achieve in the next week or two. And we might change it after the sprint is over, but within the sprint, we're really going to try and focus on just doing these things and doing them really well. Okay, so for me, the main difference of camp between that and Kanban, and Kanban is the system that I use because I'm, you know, I work work for myself, I work on my own, is that we don't have that very structured sprint. What we have is a list of jobs that we want to do and we're capable of moving, changing that list very much on the fly. Now, I talked yesterday, I talked with Scrum about this backlog of work and that, that's the same in Kanban. So let's just dig into that a little bit again. To get to the ultimate goal, you are defining all the steps you need to take and you're breaking, as I've talked about before, you're breaking the things down into user stories, ideally, and ideally small enough stories that you can get them done and out into the world before you get distracted or, you know, something, something comes up or the, the requirements change or whatever it might be. So what happens is in Scrum, we have this backlog list of tasks and at the start of every sprint, the team agrees these are the tasks we're taking from this list and we're putting it in our sprint list because that's the stuff we're focusing on in the next week or two. With Kanban, it's a little different because Kanban effectively says, well, we've got our backlog of jobs, but we're not going to prescribe a particular time for a sprint a week or two. We're just going to do the next most important thing. And every time we do a job and complete a job, we're going to pull the next most important thing into the into the team or the particular the person, in my case, and do that. And the, the, of course, the critical thing is that What's important in that backlog list can change at any kind of point. And there's much more of a focus in Kanban on integrating agile principles into an organization in a gentle way. So where they're not interested at all in disrupting what's working so far, but it's about how can we bring some of this agile thinking and this process into the business in a way that minimizes disruption, that min <laughs> minimizes uh, resistance from, you know, the humans. And it's, uh, it's something I really like. If you're interested, I use uh, an app called Trello, which you can find online. They also have good apps for uh, Macs, I guess, probably for PCs as well. 
which allow you to create these kind of boards of work and, and attach various things to to them. That's what I use anyway. And uh, it leads us a little bit into lean thinking because, well, lean thinking, like Agile, focuses on the work that we do that our customers, our clients, our end users are actually willing to pay for, the work that they actually value and tries to get rid of everything else. And I've talked before about the... Uh, the lean waste, the eight wastes of lean. Uh, essentially, in order to focus on um, what works, lean practitioners go through this process called value stream mapping, where they, they look at the process of a business and say, what activities in this business are adding value to the, the, the customer, the end client, that the client is willing to pay for? And they try and strip out everything that isn't in that value stream. Now, of course, there are some functions, some business functions that it doesn't matter whether the client <laughs> the client's willing to pay for. You need some kind of accounting function, right? You know, and that's that's not adding any value to the the client, but it is meaning that the business can survive and grow and track itself and all that kind of thing. So there's many things that you have to have. But they look at everything else and I've talked about the waste on the podcast, so I'm not going to go before. I'm not going to go through them in detail, but you know the eight wastes that Toyota originally kind of um, identified were defects. They were overproduction, waiting time, things waiting to be done, which didn't need to. You know, we wanted to minimise the wait time, transportation, inventory, having too much stuff, having too much stuff just sitting there on the factory floor, uh, motion, too much movement between the different stations of the production process let's cut that right down and the kind of the extra processing um which is i guess a way of of oh yeah this is quite interesting actually because i think i do this too much too although not in this podcast over extra processing over processing is building in a level of quality and um robustness and resilience that actually the customer doesn't really care about you know it's like i guess it's like if you if you were selling ladders let's say you were selling a ladder and you designed it so that it was capable of holding a weight of 10 tons to use an extreme stupid example now that might be that might be better well it is better in that respect but it's not an improvement that customers value. It's not an improvement customers care about. So all the work, all the materials, all the design that have gone into creating a ladder that, that supports 10 tons is essentially a kind of waste, if that makes sense. All right, so I want to wrap up because this one's gone on again and tomorrow we're going to go back to tiny short episodes. The key thing from all of this stuff and the, the thing that I'm really focusing on this year and maybe it's something you should focus on as well, is breaking the work you do down, the projects you down, you do down into small enough steps that you can complete something of value and get it out into the world as quickly as possible. Now, I know that's not true for every business, and I certainly struggled at the agency with implementing some of these things, particularly when we had multiple clients with multiple kind of panics <laughs> or multiple needs on a daily basis. But a lot of the problems that I have when I'm creating stuff and a lot of the problems that 
got me delivering things comes down to the fact that I haven't defined these these little these little objects of value in a small enough way and I get lost in the kind of the mistiness the I don't know how long this is going to take kind of stuff and that's the thing that that me links agile and lean thinking it's focusing on the work that the clients are actually willing to pay for and breaking it down into small enough bits that you can keep showing your work getting feedback and moving on and that's why this this year I'm doing this 48 sprints project and I mentioned the first sprint this week is getting the sign up form finally on my website Anyway, that's how I'm making my story mean business. Thanks for listening. It'll be a shorter podcast tomorrow. Bye now. Hey, this is Nick. Thanks again for listening. To dig deeper, search for story.business.